Did you just have a major PBL win and you've got to share it with somebody? Let's do it on the podcast. If you go to pblshare.com, you can share your win and then I'm going to bring it to people right here on the podcast so that all of our listeners can hear it. And you, you need to share your wins. It's good for you, right? But it's also good for other people who are in the trenches doing this work, trying to change school culture, trying to change instructional methods, trying to change mindsets. It's hard work. We need to hear your wins because it's encouraging. So go to pblshare.com to share your win today. Welcome to the PBL Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stoyer. This podcast, we talk about all things project-based learning. I try to bring you guests that are principals, teachers, uh, experts from business, sports, or education, whatever that looks like. I'm trying to bring them to you so that you can optimize your classroom, your leadership, your teaching style, so that project-based learning can thrive with your learners. Because when I see PBL thrive around the country at our model sites, people that we're working with, we see kids come alive. We see kids become empowered. We see communities rally around the school instead of fighting the school. We don't get everybody in that community. There's always a few naysayers that say, hey, why'd you do this? And they get grumpy. But there's a majority momentum and movement that comes along with project-based learning when the school's starting to solve real-world problems. They see their their learners in the newspaper doing amazing things. They see their learners in a video or on the news doing amazing things. The community starts to rally around the school for academic reasons, just as well as sports. And that team spirit, the school spirit flows with that. And it's just amazing to see when you see some of our model schools, the things that are happening. And you can go to our website. We'll put the link in the show notes to our model schools page. And you can see some of the schools where amazing PBL is happening. And one of the reasons we have the model schools page, it's kind of interesting how it's turned out. We kind of used to have this rubric of like, you had to be this to be a great model school. And we found these amazing ecosystems of project-based learning and amazing learning that didn't fit, you know, this box that we had created. We're not really box people. So we went back to the drawing board, kind of created a continuum of things. And what you find in the model schools page is a bunch of different implementation plans. So you'll see some schools that start, you know, full blown, they're going to be a PBL school. Some start with a learning team. Some start with a content area. Some start with a grade level. And they're all at different levels. Some are wall to wall. Some are certain grade levels. Some are certain content areas. There's a lot of ways to do project-based learning to move the needle forward. And we want to honor that. Like That's what we do. Like Magnified Learning, we customize every workshop that we do. Every coaching session that we do is completely customized to that principal's vision and that school's vision. Because who are we to come in and say, this is what it should look like? We're more of like, what do you think you want it to look like? And guess what? That tends to be in a project-based learning vision, right? Like we want to have student-centered classrooms. We want to have teachers and learners that are engaged. We want to have community partners inside of our classroom. And the project-based learning framework fits all those ideals really well. But the implementation tends to be very different based on leaders experience based on teacher's experience, learner's experience. So a lot of those different aspects are things that we have to customize around and we want to honor those things that you're doing in your classroom. That's one of the reasons that we call it magnify learning and not replace learning. Like we don't come in and replace everything that you're doing. We come in and magnify the great things that your staff has already been doing. And that that feels actually like a little bit of a side rant from where we're going to go today. But that's where our passion lies is these model schools that are super organic and are not just robotically following, 
you know, our six steps. The six steps are there to be modified and customized to fit um, your school. In fact, we actually had one school, kind of a larger district, and they had a STEM model that they already already in place, and it was eight steps. So what we did is we actually created a crosswalk for our six steps into their eight steps of STEM so that their teachers didn't have to learn a whole new system. And oddly enough, like the implementation went really well, right? Like the sustainability went really well because it was already part of their language. So that's where we want to strive, and that's where I would kind of nudge you towards. I'm not going to tell you what you should do because that doesn't usually work out, but I can tell you it's worked really well for me at the school level, and it works really well for us as we're coaching schools uh, as they move into project-based learning. So today, we're going to jump right into uh, what might be called the PBL Showcase. So we've got Kelly Rainier on, and she's the director of Eagle Tech Academy, and she has an awesome ecosystem that she's leading, and she's going to tell you all kinds of amazing things about her staff, that amazing things were happening even when she got there, but I want you to to hear her story of culture that happens at their school. And you should probably go for a visit. What they do, and actually the first reason I brought Kelly on, I'm going to talk about in the podcast too, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it right now because I get really excited about it, is I had emailed her an opportunity for one of our virtual PBL jump starts at the beginning of the year. So we we're doing it for new hires for our partners. And we said, hey, Kelly, you know, would you want to put some teachers in here? And she said, well, actually, I don't have any new hires this year. And I was like, what? Like, she's she's right next to a larger district. Uh, there tends to be a teacher shortage. Hopefully nobody told you that, and you're just crushing it with your staff. But I was like, that's amazing. I'd like to have you on the podcast. And as you can guess, like, here's the spoiler alert. She just doesn't buy, like, donuts and nachos every day to get teachers there. It's an amazing place to do work, to work right? It's an amazing place to lead education. That's how she gets teachers to stay there, and that's how the learners are thriving. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, Visionary Leader, you are in for a treat today. We have uh, Kelly Rainier, who is the director of Eagle Tech Academy. So we have a a principal that's in the trenches, in the driver's seat, Uh, had a very busy morning this morning already, like with good stuff, right? Um, but I'm going to put a teaser out here before I even introduce Kelly fully is the reason we kind of scheduled this podcast is I reached out and said, Hey, you know, if you have any new hires this year, we've got this virtual training that we're squeezing in from for some of our other partners. Would you you know, want to put anybody in here? And her response was, well, I don't have any new hires. And I was like, what? We have got to get on and talk about this. So visionary leader, that's your tease, but let's meet Kelly. Kelly, thanks for being on today. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. So uh, we start every podcast episode the same, and we'll, we'll do that here, is we always want to know kind of what's behind the person that we're listening to as we jump in. So what's your why for being in education? Sure. So um, I, I think my biggest piece was I really want to share my, my love for learning um, and that I want kids to stay curious Mm-hmm. Um, and not lose some of that. And particularly being at the secondary level, um, I think that we can sometimes squash kids' creativity if we're not careful. Yeah. And so I want kids to keep asking questions. Um, also, as as a classroom teacher, I just felt like I always had something more to offer or I could make a bigger impact Um which is why I kind of moved into administration um, 
not not really truly knowing what I was getting into, I think. Yeah, um, that's right. But I also, you know, I want I want kids and teachers to take risks in education um, that will hopefully lead to something greater than we could have could have imagined. Oh, that's so good. I think our listener like is in that exact same seat. Like, I want to make a bigger impact. Man, I didn't know what was going to happen when I got yeah. into this seat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But so, so worthwhile. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, Eagle Tech just so we can, you know, our listener kind of knows some of the background before we get into um, you know, really what I want to dive into is you know, what does it look like in a school when you don't have new hires every year? Like, what does that look like? But tell us a little bit about Eagle Tech first. Sure. Uh, so Eagle Tech Academy is a small learning community uh, that is part of Columbia City High School. So we are um, part of New Tech Network. We're a project-based school. Um, we've got about 400 kids, grades 9 through 12. Um, in total, I have um, 26 staff members, including my teaching staff, um, paraprofessionals, school counselor, office staff. Um, but we are uh, we're in our, our 13th year um, as a small learning community um, at Eagle T or at Columbia City. And we started out, um, I say we, although I wasn't part of the, the launch team, um, Eagle Tech started out um, off-site. And then when our new high school was built um, and opened um, four school years ago, this is the fourth year in the new building, um, Eagle Tech and Columbia City High School came under one roof. Yeah. So. Well, there's so many different ways to do this, isn't there? So there's like, we have a, we actually have another partner they're going to start in the building and then move out to a separate building. So yeah. right, there's just so many different ways to do this. Uh, a little bit more background on you, Kelly, how long have you been involved in project-based learning? Oh, so I, I was, I was thinking about this. I, this is my 23rd year in education and about half of that has yeah. been with project-based learning. Yeah, that's right. So you're, you're kind of steeped in this work, right? And uh, Indiana was a real hotbed for project-based learning, you know, at that yeah. at that point. It's like even, you know, California where New Tech started and in some of those pieces. But as you flew over, like you had to stop in Indiana, right? Because there's so much PBL going on. And, yeah. you know, we've got a lot of new listeners, a lot of new leaders. But I, I kind of encourage people, like, you don't have to create everything like brand new, right? Like there are some pioneers that have done this work and are still doing it consistently. So, Super excited to be able to share your journey right now. I think this is fun. Great. So when you look at Eagle Tech, like, can you give us a couple highlights of Eagle Tech? Like, what makes you special? What's what's your secret sauce? <laughs> yeah. So actually, as a as a staff, um, we really dug into this um, this summer. So as I mentioned. Um, you know, I wasn't part of the original team. However, I do have some staff members still on staff today that were part of that launch team. And I think that's pretty rare in, mm -hmm. in education in general. Um, people move around a lot more than maybe what people used to. Um, and so we dug into that this summer. We spent three days together um, just prior to the start of this school year, really talking about um what our kind of hopes and dreams were for the school year and honoring where we have been as a as a small learning community as a school as ETA um, and appreciating that but also looking at who are we now mm. and that came out of you know kind of a few things 
Um, one, me being the a, a leader that was new to this school just a couple years ago, I didn't have, I knew a lot about ETA and I was sort of connected with them um, just by proximity and because I worked in another school that was also part of the network, but also um, knowing that there are both benefits and challenges to being an offsite location and then being under the same roof as the rest of your high school. Um, and then just also navigating, you know, during during a lot of time of quarantining and those kinds of things, we, they got away from some of the high quality PBL practices just out of sheer necessity um, and really wanted to get back to it. So part of that, though, Eagle Tech has has always been known for its strong culture and strong sense of community. And there were, you know, there were some there was some apprehension about moving back to the main building, um, even though it was a new building. So it was a new school for everyone. Um, but also just we've, you know, we'd kind of been able to do our own thing. And so what's it going to look like when we're back together? Um, not because it was necessarily going to be bad, but it was going to be different. Sure. Uh, that move happened. Um, well, shutdown happened, I guess, uh, in the spring of 2020, which was the last year in the old building for everyone, for the old ETA, old high school. So we're coming back together, but we never had closure on the buildings we were leaving. Um, so there was there was some tension, I would say, uh, around that. But then also, you know, just thinking about like, who do we want to be moving forward? And what does that look like? And so as a staff, we really talked about like, what are the things that we do that make us um, make us either, uh, you know, unique or different? Uh, but also, what are those those pieces that you know, we talk about, like the ETA vibe, like we want it to feel different for people when they come into our school. And what it, what does that mean? Um, so we've done the last two school years, we ended the school year with an all day field day for Eagle Tech. Um, and it was completely uh, because my student leaders came and said, we want to have a field day on the last day of school. We don't want it to feel like the typical last day of high school. We want it to be fun. We want it to be community. Um, and so I had an opportunity to say yes, um, not knowing what is this going to look like. Yeah, that's right. How How is this all going to work out? Um, what are, what are we going to do? But I said, yes, let's do it. And so my student leaders, um, planned field day. And it was when we did this two years ago, by far the best last day of school I had ever experienced. Um, and it was, it was so much fun for everyone. And it really was a sense of community. So we did it again last year. And again, it was a great day. So this summer when we talked, my staff said, um, we end the year so strong. We need to start the year that way too. Mm. We want our kids to walk in on the first day and know that what we do here is different and know that like we want them to feel like they're in ETA from day one. We don't want to do the course syllabus. We don't want to do here's the rules yep. and guidelines. We know that stuff's important to, you know, to establish norms and to kind of set the, you know, set the expectations for the year. 
but we want the first day to feel more like what we do here and not just, you know, here's the here's the paperwork side of things. Yeah, that's right. And so we knew there were also restrictions though, right? Like kids still have to attend all of their classes for attendance reporting purposes and, you know, sort of the logistical pieces. And since we don't know our freshmen yet, um, we do really want them to come to the classes that they're supposed to be in. But what we do during that time can look really different. And so uh, the staff was phenomenal in um, deciding what kinds of activities and things they wanted to do with kids. Protocols are a big part of what we do here. And so in some cases, we ran different protocols in classes and knowing that might look different in a ninth grade class than it could look in a group of juniors and seniors. And so with our juniors and seniors, we did things like hopes and dreams and um, some fishbowl protocols and different things. But we also did design challenges. And, you know, we had kids kind of flying paper airplanes through our commons and then doing reflection and, and revision and let's design again. Um, and there was a sense of collaboration from the beginning as well. And so um, I would, I, I guess it's a really long answer, Ryan, to say, we want to be sure that the things we do here feel different than a typical school situation or maybe what as the adults that we experienced in high school. Yeah. And it's, well, it's such a good answer, Kelly. And there's so many nuggets. I don't, I don't know how to pull them all out, but I want to highlight a couple. And I think the overarching thing that I'd like to share with our listener is the idea that I'm, I know we have some listeners that said, that sounds neat. My district would never let me do that. Right. Like the field day on the last day. Like, yes, we all want to do that, but we could, but I love, like, I think you answered the question really well. Like what are the highlights of your school? Like I hear authenticity, transparency, uh, such a respect for voice, right. Of the students and the staff. And when you start to bring all those things in, and that's not just like a, how we suddenly do all those things, right. It's, it's this kind of respect for voice and those kind of things. But once you do that, now you can kind of shift who you are and the district listens to you a little bit differently. Right. And you start to ask that question of, I know we can't do this, but if we could, what would it look like? How would we do it? Right. And I can just, there's so many things in your story that uh, I know some people might push up against, but it's so worth it, isn't it? To, to try to figure those things out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And we're very fortunate that, you know, being, being a small community within the larger high school, it did mean that, you know, my kids that, um, would typically go out of our academy for maybe an elective course or a work-based learning course that they still had access to do that if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was also, it, it was also just really good to know that we had the support of our campus principal, um, in addition to, um, being able to work with, with the teachers that are out of our academy to say, if you need a student, we're going to ensure that they're there. And yeah. if, if you don't need them to be with you, we are glad to have them with us for that time. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was terrific. And it would have been really, the easy thing for me to do would have been to tell the student leaders, no, that we're not able to do that. Everybody has to do their own thing. But it was also taking a risk on my end, right? To yeah, say, that's right. yes. Um, and then just, you know, hope that it all came together. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, <laughs> so, but that's in your why, right? Like that's part of 
kind of who you are and what you want your learners to experience. That's what you want your staff to experience. So you have to walk that talk, right? And yes. when you do, now your teachers can take a little more risk in their classrooms and students can take a little more risk in their learning and things that they're going to reach out to. And gosh, it, what what an exciting culture to be a part of as a learner and as a staff, which probably leads into our next question, right? The the thesis of this this podcast episode, although I feel like we could stay right here for a real long time, but uh, like you mentioned, you didn't have any new hires this year, which I know for visionary leaders, like that sounds awesome. So like, how are you getting people to stay and buy into this vision? Yes. Uh, so you're right. It is incredibly uncommon. Um, and I can't say that this has happened a lot in my career where I haven't had to hire new teaching staff from one year to the next. Um, the, this staff, I can't, it's not all, it's not certainly not all about me and what I'm doing, but it's about what they have built that I have been able to um, kind of maintain with them, right? And mm -hmm. so, as I, I, I mentioned, I have some staff that have been here from the very beginning. Um, and I think aside from that, I, I hired someone two years ago because I had someone that moved into an administrative role. So it wasn't like he left because he didn't like it here, right, um, sure. but he had an opportunity to advance his career. And so, um, by far I am, I am the newbie in year three. Um, and so part of that is, I think that sense of community and, that collective piece, like everyone truly does have a voice. Yes, as the um, hired leader for this for this uh, academy, there are times that I do have to make decisions um, and be the, the, the one who's ultimately responsible for what happens here with teaching and learning. But I also try whenever I can to take that back to the staff to say, well, how does this impact you or what do you want to do um, with whatever the situation might be uh, when it's going to affect their day-to-day -day work or what we're doing with our kids? Um, I really try to say yes as much as possible. I can't say yes 100% of the time, but yeah, if but that's such a good bullet point though, right? Like you try yeah. to say yes, right? And your staff knows that if they've got this idea and they think it's going to be good for kids, like gosh, Kelly's going to try to say yes. So then when you can't, it's like, gosh, I really tried. And people know that that's authentic, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and there have certainly been times where I've said yes. And then we have not been able to actually follow through and do something for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, it, you know, uh, I get shot down a little bit, but that happens. And, and I accept that I, again, I'm not the ultimate authority in our district. And so yep. there are times that we can't do the things that we're trying to do. Um, but we, we will, we will try to, to kind of push the, push the boundaries a little bit within reason. Um, and I think it's not just sharing the responsibility for the decision-making piece, but it's also, you know, sharing the celebrations, but also the challenges. Hmm. So when we, um, when we're looking at, um, you know, maybe behavior pieces or academic um, challenges that that we're having with students. We do a lot of that work together, um, and it's everyone's responsibility to mm. create conditions to help our kids succeed. Obviously, our kids have to step up and and do their part as well, right? The the work's not going to be done for them, but it's 
how do we wrap around our kids to support and know that they are, they're cared for, um, they're loved, but they're also going to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And And that's a big piece for us. Yeah. Well, I think teachers and principals can burn out when it's just them, right? When all that responsibility of of our learners doing what they're supposed to be doing is just on them. But I, I hear you just continually saying we, and we, and we, we're all going to wrap around this idea of taking care of ETA, right. And our learners. And when you do that, now there's shared responsibilities, right. I can, I can imagine that, you know, obviously I, I want our audience to hear that you have a lot of their same challenges in this process, right? Like you have a larger <laughs> district that's not that far away, right. That can, easily, you know, some teachers could easily move over there. Right. And, um, learners can do the same thing. Um, you still have some district mandates that you have to abide by, right? Like all those things are still there, but I hear that you're taking risks, right. Which means that you don't always get what you were going for. Right. And, and your teachers see that and you're trying to say yes. And there's this, just this, we, this shared accountability that wraps around this. So it's not all reliant on one person and all within a, really a traditional educational school system, right? And uh, the model isn't the secret sauce, I don't think, right? It's not the small learning community. It's not a separate building because I don't want somebody to pull out like these anything prescriptive necessarily. We're describing ETA, but uh, the part that I think is the secret sauce really is the culture that that's developed at ETA. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, and it's having... It's having a staff that is all in, that is yeah. fully committed to um, to supporting each other and to supporting the kids. And that does not mean that it's, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. Yeah, we, that's right. That's we okay. also were committed to discussing the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there are plenty of times where we disagree um, and we have to have those conversations uh, sometimes in smaller groups, sometimes it's our, our whole large group, but, you know, I remind them all the time, like our work is so hard. Um, we're in the people business, so it's going to be yeah, messy. Right. And we're trying to do something, something different and outside the norm with what we've created here. So it's not going to be perfect. And there are times that it would be so much easier just to go, let's just go all do our own thing and go back to sort of the old way of doing things. But it's messy, it's hard, but it's also so incredibly worth it. Yeah, so good. Have you signed up for our PBL newsletter yet? I get it that you get too many emails, like that's truth, but you need this one. Like you need one that has just-in-time project-based learning resources that you can share with your teachers comes out weekly, you're going to get a video, a blog, and a podcast, and a resource every single week. Are you going to use them every week? I doubt it. But you should take a look every week to see if you want to use it in a PD session, to see if you've got a specific teacher that needs something, and you can just send it right on. So you're going to want to at least have the option to send that on. So sign up for the newsletter right now. It's in the show notes. There's a teacher version, and there's a principal version. You're going to love it. So uh, next question is, you know, what are the benefits of having teachers in a culture that's kind of has this continuous line and when it benefits maybe to staff and to students, I don't know where you want to go with that, but there are going to be benefits. I know that our listeners thinking, man, there are a ton of benefits, but what are the ones that you back, you, you see, and that you can pull out for us? Sure. 
So, you know, definitely having that shared commitment to our culture, to our school, to each other, um, and and recognizing that like the culture evolves over time and it should, um, we can't expect to be where we were in the first year, right? Like it's going to change because the people also change. We're bringing in a new group of kids every year. Um, we do we do have staff changes from time to time. We we're really really lucky that from last year to this year we had no new teaching staff, which was incredible. Um, and then and just a- acknowledging that. Uh, that it's okay when things change or evolve. Um, for the staff, I think it's a huge benefit to know that um, they're all working towards the same common goals, right? They're all working towards supporting each other and supporting our kids and upholding this culture that they have worked so hard to cultivate. Um, for our kids, I think just having that consistency and knowing um, this is my this is my team of adults that support me and uh, support what we do here at school. Um, there's a real sense of belonging um, for both the yeah. staff and the students, um, and that's from that that comes from everyone from the the two. Uh, ladies in my office when you know kids come in and they're they're greeted by them they know that these two people are are part of my team um we're we also and i think this is a a testament to what the staff has created but we have a lot of a lot of families and i say i say that in the sense of we get siblings uh so if one one sibling comes here it's likely we're going to have the their younger siblings also come through ETA um, because they the parents also see that this is this is a good place for their kids and they know that they'll be be cared for and take in and cared about um, which is also a pretty a pretty neat thing I think for families yeah. is you know the benefit is I know these people um, they care about my kids they care about our family um, and there really is that sense of belonging and that sense of community. Yeah, that stays. Well, it, it's I'm just kind of seeing like this cycle, right? Is that your culture is keeping teachers there, it's keeping families there, right? Students, parents mm-hmm. there, and that continuity allows the culture to stay there, right? Even though it evolves, I like that that yeah. kind of thread coming out too. I think you started with that is like you start the year with hopes and dreams. Where were we? Where do we want to go? Uh, I think a lot of schools are in that that mode at the moment of like, right. We had like, we had COVID we worked through that right now. Let's, let's, let's do what we do. Right. And I, I wonder if maybe some schools don't know what it is that we do. Right. It sounds like at ETA, this is who we are and this is what we do. Right. And that's something that's, that's ingrained in your culture. You, and I would think that your staff and would you say that your staff and your learners could identify this is who we are and what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think that if you asked our kids, like, tell me about ETA, they would talk a little bit about project-based learning and they would talk about the academic side of things, but they would talk to you more about the community and the sense the the culture that, that is here. And they would probably emphasize some of those activities and things that we do special that are 
not so much the academic piece, although academics are a, a huge component of what we do, right. but it's that it's that that feeling of community and and belonging. And there's a whole bunch of things that we do that I haven't you know haven't talked about at all that really help to to build that. Yeah, and and again, I just keep wanting to frame things for our listener as well. While I'm really enjoying this conversation, I also want to pull out and know we've got you know someone listening right now. And just that you're in a state that has standardized tests, right? Like you're you're still held to that standard in some form, right? And you have community perception that's a big deal. Um, you've got all those pieces, and maybe because you have those cultures so important, right? Because you've got kids that are bought in to some of these pieces. So let's try to pull out a few things. And I always, you know, kind of hesitate just a bit when we try to give advice because everybody has such a different you know framework. You know, we've got some listeners that. You know, if you're in La- if you're in Fayette County, Kentucky, like, you've got 41,000 kids in your district, and there's probably some different things happening there. But there's definitely some threads that you can pull out for your individual school. So, Kelly, when you look at you know this whole conversation and everything you have going on at ETA, what are some things that you could suggest to some other visionary leaders? Hmm. So, I think for me, one of the big pieces is to keep investing in my people. Um, I won't ask them to do things that I wouldn't also be willing to do. Um, I truly believe that I need to be an instructional leader for them. And so while I have never been a PBL facilitator, um, my my journey with PBL has all been as a leader um, and not as a classroom teacher, but I feel like I have done a lot of work to really understand what it takes to design PBL units and Mm -hmm. to support my teachers through that. And so I lead a lot of our PD or I co-lead the PD with a facilitator um, on my campus uh, because I think it's important that I invest in what I'm expecting of them and from them um, and that I need to be able to provide that support as well. That's so good. I'm just going to jump in for a second because we have leaders that are leading a building and they're saying, hey, we should do project-based learning. And they they all have different reasons, right? Maybe it's equity, engagement, whatever it is, they see that, but they haven't necessarily done PBL in the classroom, right? And so we, we get that a lot at Magnify Learning. It's like, well, how much do I need to know? What do I not need to know? Um, how do you how do you balance that line? Well, uh, I, I mean, you have you've got some street cred, right? Like you've, it's, it's not your first day, <laughs> not you know, first day leading, but you know, if you could maybe put yourself in the shoes of a leader who says PBL is the right thing for us, even though I haven't done it in the classroom, yeah. guys, I, I know that this is the right path. What, what do you say to that leader? Yeah, I, I really think it's super important um, as the leader to educate yourself as well on what this is going to take to do because it is a big shift for yeah, yep. our teachers um, to move from a, a, a more traditional or classic kind of teaching environment um, to a PBL setting. And it's hard work. Um, it's it's worthwhile, but it, it's hard. And it can feel, if you're the only one doing it, I think it can feel very lonely um, or people don't really understand what you're doing. And so to have as a leader, being able to support through that and knowing that it is very possible that someone is going to roll out their first project and it could the wheels could come off from the very beginning because it's it's something new for the teacher. It's something new for the students. Um, and with anything that isn't 
scripted, um, it can yeah. go, it can go awry pretty quickly. And so it's, it's being there to also support and say, that's all right, let's figure this out. Like, what do we need to do to get it to get things back on track? What, you know, what direction do we need to take it? So I think it's super important as a leader, if we're going to ask something of our staff, that we also become very aware of what it is that we're really asking. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, we'll get, sometimes schools will call us and say, Hey, we've got this one day. Can you come teach us PBL? We're like, no, no. <laughs> we, we literally <laughs> say, no, like we cannot do that. Right. Like not in any way that's, that would be good for kids. No. So, um, so yeah, I like that, you know, it's, it's going to take some time and some understanding. So Kelly, maybe one last one last note for the visionary leader that's that's listening. What, what would you suggest they they look into or think about? Yeah, I think for me, it's providing opportunities for staff and student voice or feedback um, on that's what cool. we could be doing. Um, whether it's keep doing these things or it's here's a change that we may need to consider. And then it's implementing what we can, right? If if a staff member or a student comes and says, hey, here's something I think we should be doing. Again, if I have that opportunity to say, yes, I want to do that. Um, and then I want to celebrate with them when things are working. Um, it can be really easy to get into the, um, here's all the things we need to fix. And I am yeah. I am certainly guilty of being that person of saying, We've got to we've got to work on this piece. We've got to work on this piece. But uh, my staff has pushed me a little bit to to slow down and go. Let's look at all the things that are going well and let's celebrate those wins. Um, and sometimes the wins are are huge, and sometimes the wins are really small. Um, but to take that that opportunity to step back and go, we did these cool things together. Um, let's build on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And that's that's one that I'm super comfortable. Anybody listening can do that, right? Like listen to your staff and your students, celebrate the good. Right? Yes. Everybody can do that. I'm super comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that takes that takes almost no planning, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And such and, a better faculty you, meeting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was it was putting it on our our weekly agenda. Um, we don't we start a meeting by talking about like good things that are happening. Um, and sometimes that takes a whole lot longer than what I had planned, but it's worth it because it sets the tone then for where we're headed. Great. That's so good. We're going to wrap on that. That's so practical and so influential, I think, right? Like just put it as your first bullet point in your faculty meeting and start running and start listening. Yes. So good. Kelly, thank you for sharing all that you all are doing at ATA. It's such a, it's so neat to see the group effort that it is, right? It is such a we, and it's got so much momentum that, you know, it, it carries things forward. So thank you so much for sharing today. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. All right, Visionary Leader, you just heard a great example of, you know, what school can be, what it can look like, uh, what the culture can be. And a lot of that you can start tomorrow by listening, right? By listening and sharing the good things that are happening. So uh, thank you so much again for tuning in so that you can learn how to engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms. So go lead inspired. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you tune in each week. Would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and a review? When you leave a review, 
it lets the next person know that this is a podcast worth listening to. When they go into their player and search project-based learning and PBL Simplified popped up, when they see those reviews, they know that high-quality visionary leaders are listening, so they tune in too, and they can find their way into the PBL journey. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you.